if, you know, this conversation is anything, it's to not be afraid to, you know, if there's someone in your, in your life that you love that you might be able to help by giving, whether it be a kidney or some liver tissue, whatever, whatever it is, um, it's a really good thing to do. Hi, I'm Kathleen O'Grady, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello and welcome. I am Steve, and I hope you're ready to have a good time. Now, wherever you are listening in from, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or Pandora or Simplecast or insert your favorite pop listening place here, we would love if you would take a moment and subscribe, share, rate, and review our show. Any of these options combined on their own, it helps us spread the good of World Gun Good. So for everyone who has already done that, Again, any part of this or all of these things, we say thank you. Today, we're talking the good of sacrifice. Let's take a minute and ask ourselves this question. What is the biggest sacrifice I have ever made in my entire life? Now, depending on who you are, the answers are going to vary drastically, right? I mean, for me, I have twice sacrificed, and um, it's actually uh, the same thing that I sacrificed. And Definitely, I think a better word to go with it is supported because sometimes a sacrifice is in the form of a support. I have twice sacrificed and supported my husband by moving for his career to two different cities, and I have no regrets. It all worked out uh, for him, for me, and actually for us even better each time than I think either one of us could have imagined. But in the moment of making that sacrifice and showing that support, There is, of course, fear and a million what-ifs that play out in our heads because we are only human. My friend Kathleen O'Grady made a sacrifice that I don't know if a lot of people would be willing to do. She donated a kidney to someone in need. The person in need was her own brother. This is Kathleen's good story of sacrifice and support. Well, I'm so happy to be talking to you. I'm always happy to be talking to you. Me too. I love talking to you too. It's kind of funny because this sort of came up through our friend Mary who said, you should have Kathleen on and she should tell her story about when she gave a kidney to her brother. (laughs) So subtle. Yeah. So I just buried the lead. Or no, I didn't bury the lead. I unburied the lead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As we were talking before we started this, I know very little about this. So I'm going to let you take it away. And you tell your story of good, and then don't worry, I'll have questions along the way. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Well, I'll just start with the fact that my brother Mick was my Irish twin. We were 18 months apart, or less actually, and we were just always, always close. And when Mick was seven, he... um, He actually was on a bike riding accident and he kind of slammed into a car and he broke his jaw. So he had to have his, his jaw wired shut. So that was one trauma. But then interestingly, you know, given that he's a growing kid and, and he could only eat, you know, liquids through a straw, he lost a bunch of weight. So maybe about a year and a half, two years later, he developed, uh, 
childhood diabetes. So this would be the kind, and I'm sorry, I forget what's one, what's two, but this is the kind that has a genetic base because it later turns out that we had diabetes in the family. So he's a, he's an eight-year-old kid. Our whole lives change. You know, the snacks in our house changed, our meal times changed, and I became a big sister um, to a kid who had this chronic disease. He was, you know, always had to have his insulin injections, always had to monitor his blood sugar. But other than that, he was just a regular old kid. But as we grew up, you know, evidence of the diabetes sort of manifested itself. Um, you know, when he was in high school and stuff, he he had some 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 blood sugar issues while driving. So I became aware that my brother as much as I wanted to think he was just like me and my other brother and sister, he had stuff going on. So as we got older and I had gotten married and he was looking to get married, I just kind of decided that I was going to spend as much time with him as I could. He lived in Vegas. I lived in New York. So I would make trips just to see my brother. So then He's, you know, we're, I was in my forties, he was reaching his forties. And, you know, by this time he'd had diabetes for 30 years. And this is when things really started to affect his body. His eyes by this time were not very good. Um, some circulation issues and his kidneys were beginning to shut down. So he went, started dialysis and I think it was for my 40th birthday, my whole family came to New York to hang out. And that's when my brother asked um, myself, my other brother and my sister, if we would consider being a living donor, donating a kidney. Okay. I have a question really quick now. Got it. Where, where were you when this question was asked? Like, like were you in a restaurant? Were you at the house? Like, did he ask you all at once or did he ask you separately? He asked, I think he, I think if I remember right, he asked us individually, but he brought it up when the whole family was in my living room in Suffern, New York. So my parents were there. Um, all the spouses were there. So it became a real interesting family discussion. So I immediately said, if I can do it, you know, if medically and genetically I can do it, I want to do it. And then the other two kind of just, they were like, yeah, I'm going to explore it. And I started to explore it. So, but the interesting thing was I'm in New York, he's in Vegas and everything is going to happen in Vegas. So what they did for me was they hooked me up with some people in the New York and New Jersey area who had done this. So I had these amazing conversations with people who were either the recipient or the donor of, of a living kidney. So I just was cemented on board for doing this. But when I talked to the counselors at, at the hospital in Las Vegas, I was told that I could proceed with this, you know, these qualifications. They were medical tests. They were genetic tests. They were looking to see if I would be okay living without a kidney. They were looking to see, of course, if we would match all the, or how good we would match. But I was told that if for any reason I had any, any trouble making this decision or if I was feeling any pressure or if for whatever reason I didn't want to do it anymore, I didn't want to further the the sort of 
quest to see what kind of a match we would be, they said that they would say that there was a medical reason why I couldn't do it. So basically, they would play, you know, bad cop and I could be good cop. And they would say, she can't do it. This is, there's some, there's a medical issue. But for me, that was never the thing. You know, I knew I wasn't going to have kids. And I thought, I thought, well, a, a good thing I could do is, you know, help my brother have a little bit more living. So of course I then, you know, really dove into organ donation and, you know, expectations of what it would of how much longer or what my brother's situation would be after. And, um, and, and I was more and more convinced he was having, my brother was having conversations with my other two siblings. And interestingly, one was unable for medical conditions and the well, that, that you think was unable for medical conditions because the doctor could have made that up and protected that person. I'm totally kidding. Go well, ahead. no, but I mean, that's an interesting point because, um, because. And that's okay. That is okay. <laughs> I'm not judging. But, I'm not judging. <laughs> don't judge. Don't judge. I did. <laughs> but, and you can too. No, no, it's never, you, you can't judge and, and you can't ask for anything in return for this though. I will tell you I did. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you that after, but, um, uh, so the one sibling really did have a medical issue. The other sim- sibling, I don't know, I guess it was being honest, but they decided to tell my brother that they didn't want to do it. So I later spoke to that sibling and said, what are you doing? You could have just had the hospital say right. that you couldn't do it. So that was an interesting, I mean, the family dynamics of all of this was so fascinating and, you know, to also sort of talk to my parents about what was going on with this. And, you know, they were kind of having to sit back and watch, watch this go on with their kids, you know. So um, I, 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 I applaud that sibling, though, because I think that would be a lot of weight for somebody to carry. And, and maybe just telling the truth, you know. Yeah, I, I, I totally go go both ways with it. I know for myself, I would have been a chicken and said, okay, you tell him I can't do it. But that sibling, um, was honest, although he was slightly, um, uh, confusing in the way, uh, he declined. He sent him a text. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Forget about it. Ow, my thumbs hurt. Yeah. He didn't, um, he, you know, he, um, he could have done it in a more gracious way in a more understandable way. But regardless, everybody was good with where we were, especially as I proceeded to get tested for this. Um, So that whole thing was very interesting, the whole testing process, especially given that, you know, the primary directives were coming out of Vegas, but I was at, I was in New York. So I was spending all this time at... Oh my God. And I'm going to forget the hospital, big hospital on the East side. They were partnering with, um, with the Vegas hospital. So I did all my tests in the city, including one, which was, I couldn't eat for 24 hours. And then I had to go have all this blood work. I tell you, Steve, after that test, I was having like 
mad hallucinations. I was so hungry. And then I had less blood. So I just kind of basically remember stumbling into some like hoity-toity, fancy lady, east side luncheon place and just like ordered a loaf of bread and slathered it with butter so I could like think again. Um, Those tests were, it was an interesting, um, probably I think it went on for about three weeks, a, a number of different tests, testing. You know, again, they were concerned about my future longevity with only one kidney too. So, so that was interesting. Um, and then it turns out that we were an excellent match and I was going to do it. And you know what? I forgot to tell you that before my brother asked us, his siblings, he had actually already had a kidney transplant. It happened three weeks before nine 11 and and he had a kidney transplant from um, from someone who gave after death. Um, someone, I guess, had a, a car accident. And he had a kidney transplant and also a pancreas transplant. Interesting. Yeah. So suddenly he was no longer diabetic. And that pancreas was unbelievable. It, it lasted through everything. So, so two, two years later was when he asked us. And interestingly, the kidney that he got when he got both the kidney and the trans and the um, pancreas, the kidney was failing. That's why he needed to ask his siblings. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole time he, he never, then he didn't, he wasn't dependent on, on uh, insulin after that. That's amazing. Yeah. Because your pancreas, if I know this right, controls, um, it, it breaks down all the fats that go through your body. Because my mother had something happen with her pancreas, and the way they found it out was that she couldn't eat anything. She was, she thought she just had like a bad flu or something, and then she she was at the point of only able to eat like chicken broth and beef broth and wow. lettuce. And then it was just that they figured out that she had this very rare um, tumor, non cancerous tumor, on her pancreas. In fact, she is in a medical journal because she's one of like less than 20 people documented in the world. And these doctors flew in from like all over the world. These one set of doctors flew in from Germany just to meet her and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. never mind that. But that's very interesting that he had already like tried with a donor. You know, I'm a, I'm a organ donor. It's on my, on my card. I mean, if if God forbid anything happens to me, take it all people. Oh yeah. I, I totally, I totally believe in that. And if, you know, this conversation is anything it's to reinforce that. And also to not be afraid to, you know, if there's someone in your, in your life that you love that you might be able to help by giving, whether it be a kidney or some liver tissue, whatever, whatever it is. Um, it's a really good thing to do. So there we are. I'm, I'm set up to do it. And I just sort of checked out of my life for three weeks. It was so interesting though. My husband at the time was so great about it. On the one hand, he did not want me to do it because he was afraid. But on the other hand, he did this beautiful thing where he contacted, he took my address book and contacted everyone I know. And they either, you know, called me and left the message or or made or sent a card or made something. I have this beautiful scrapbook of people who are recognizing, you know, the fact that I was going under this operation. So that was really great and actually helped buoy me, you know, through it because I was going to go there by myself 
And my parents would be there, of course, and my brother that I was donating to and his wife and his and her family. But I was leaving everything I knew to go, you know, do this operation in Vegas. Did you have any moment where you were like thinking about your own health future? Because if it's something that you said, which is genetically hereditary in your family, did you have an inkling in your head of like, what if I need something myself in the future? And if you do, I mean, I think that's totally human. I'm wondering if you did. I didn't. The, the only thing was, was I was sort of joking with myself that I probably shouldn't, you know, jump out of an airplane. (laughs) (laughs) That was my biggest thing. But I will tell you on the morning of the operation, of course, like many, you know, surgeries, it's so early in the morning. And I happened to have a friend of mine call me from New York. She knew it was, it was the day and she was wishing me luck. And, and again, I mean, I think back at this time and so many of these little instances were like weird fever dreams, whether it be having not eaten for, for a whole day and then giving blood or this just absolute strange feeling of going into surgery, going into an elective surgery, um, for, to, to do something that just seemed so at that moment, after my friend hung up, um, I just thought to myself, what am I doing? This is so mm-hmm. weird. They're going to cut me open and take something out of me and put it in my brother. It just felt like very, um, science fiction. I almost felt like it was like, and it, I just had this for just a moment, but it felt very kind of Frankenstein. Like it was like, they're mm-hmm. taking, you know, they're, hor- uh, um, harvesting from one to give to another. And it just had this strange, weird morning, too early in the morning, uh, dreamlike state of like, what is going on? That was about the the only bad thing I, I did have. My fear was really because I'd never had surgery like this before was to go under anesthesia. That's the thing I was most afraid about is the waking up part. Um, so so the actual life without a kidney um, didn't didn't phase me at all, but it was the the going under part. So another thing that I thought was just interesting when thinking about this experience was I got to see my brother, and my my brother was he was so worried for me, you know, so worried for me, and not not so much for himself because he'd actually already been through it, so he knew what he was going to have to do to, to get better. But he was so, you know, concerned for me, which was beautiful. But I, I really did have some fear about the anesthesia. So I just remember having this amazing anesthesiologist who just took the time to, he literally held my hand and told me it was all going to be okay. And I just remember this presence of just comfort and a little bit of pressure right before I went under. And I, I, I so appreciated how he got me through that. So then I woke up and it was a little, um, you know, a little weird in ICU. I saw my brother and everybody's faces looked so concerned. I saw my other brother, not my kidney brother. Um, so, so the, the coming out was also weird. It just, you know, coming out of anesthesia is, is if you've done it, you probably remember how odd that feels. And then for me, 
uh, again, because I'd never had surgery before, I uh, I didn't know that I was a bleeder. So the the night I got into back into the the hospital room, um, I was having again another fever dream where I must have been half in and out of you know a drugged state, and but I did I felt I felt my side being really really wet, and it turns out that whatever sutures they did, one of them broke and I, I was bleeding out. <laughs> so I wasn't, I wasn't bleeding out, but I was bleeding profusely. In. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the nurse also another fantastic nurse, you know, I do remember them going, uh Oh, and a whole group of people taking me off and cleaning the, the, the bedding and making sure that I was sutured back up. So I was in the hospital for a little bit longer. You know, I'd heard of people, a number of people, um, some of the people that my brother and I were going through this with, you know, because for the week or so before we went and had some classes at the hospital and they were out of the hospital in like 24 hours, both, both, you know, uh, donor and donee were doing a little bit better than my brother and I did because I lost so much blood that I had, they kept me in the hospital for about, about five days. My brother was in the hospital for maybe two weeks, you know, cause now he was even more complicated because he had a transplanted pancreas. He had his two original kidneys plus uh, a transplanted kidney. So at the end of the end, he, you know, not that his original or the, the um, transplanted pancreases were working, but they don't remove them. Not pancreas, sorry, kidneys. They didn't remove any of the previous kidneys. So they just like, I guess, kind of wither in your body. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So you replace the replacement. I replace the replacement. Right. Got it. I, yes. And, and it was also done laparoscopically, which, you know, they've been able to do this kind of a, a surgery for a long time, but they used to have to go through your back. So people who were donors actually had it far worse than the person getting the kidney because the donor would have to have it removed from their back. So there would be a lot of cutting and a lot of healing this way. They just pumped me up with gas and they went in laparoscopically. So they removed it right basically near my belly button. So, um, he was given my left kidney, which was interesting because that is the way I lean politically. So he would joke. <laughs> And he didn't. Um, he would joke that uh, all of a sudden when he got my kidney that he 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 liked Guinness and he thought about voting Democratic. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> um, so afterwards, you know, it took about two weeks, two and a half weeks to heal up. And I think that's because of the, the loss of blood for me. But my brother and I had both about a week together in convalescence at their house in Vegas. And then I went home and, um, I kept saying, you know, that left, left kidney, kidney, it was holding me back. That left kidney was holding me back. And I also joked that I, uh, you know, my swimsuit career was all dashed to hell, <laughs> but, but that, you know, that was it. He did. I must say, um, my brother has passed, but that kidney, my kidney, our kidney, um, gave him 10 more years of life, you know, without being, without having to do dialysis and, 
And so, so it was completely worth it. You know, it was completely worth it. What an amazing gift. Yeah. Well, I mean, anyone who does that, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a kind of a mind blowing thing to know that we can do these things that, the, that we have come as far as we have to do this, but it was almost like a no brainer. It just was like, yeah, of course I'm going to do this, you know? And did your relationship with him become closer after this or did, I mean, it sounds like you guys were pretty close anyway. Yeah, we were pretty close anyway. Um, so it, I guess it deepened, but we were very close. I'll tell you too, before the, before the surgery, it was in 2004, which was a presidential election year. So I asked him, I said, look, I just want to ask you one thing, you know, I'm giving you the gift of life. Can you please just vote for John Kerry? And we would laugh and laugh. And of course he didn't. So yeah, it's interesting because he had that next decade. And of course, it's just sort of an affirmation of life because he wound up having trouble in his marriage and he got divorced. And so he had, it's like he had this, he had that surgery and then life went on and he experienced all the things that everybody experiences, you know, great love, great loss. And it was a great loss for us when he died. Um, but, you know, he got 10 years and the average, at least back then, was, you know, eight years um, that a donated organ can survive in in the host's body. Because, as you know, um, you know, you, you're, you are given a lot of drugs that will s- suppress your immune system because your immune system is attacking a foreign object. So, so they don't, they don't, I mean, they last a long time, but they don't last forever. I think it's just so interesting, you know, that there was no hesitancy to you at all until right before. And that's almost, it's funny that you use the analogy of I wasn't going to go jump out of a plane because much like bungee jumping or jumping out of a plane, I think right before you have to do something like that, that's when the fear kicks in. Right. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. And that is exactly what happened to me. You know, it was that, it was like, I'm sure I haven't bungee jumped or jumped out of a plane, but right before you have to step off, you know, as I was driving to the hospital, that's when I was like, what am I doing? But thank God you know, you've bungee jumped, right? God, no. Oh, <laughs> have you jumped out of a plane? I would, I would jump out of a plane before I would bungee jump. I would jump out of a plane before I bungee. I really would. Especially if I was connected to another person because I'd be like, oh, yeah. we're both going to die. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least you're not going to go out alone. I, I would worry too much with the bungee that it was too long. You know what I mean? Me I would go too. down and just hit the bottom and then spring back up and then hit the bottom again. <laughs> Me too. That would be my fear. I would seriously be like, did anybody, <laughs> did we, did we measure the rope? <laughs> yeah. And you know, for me, those days are past, but that would have been my fear too. So do you think that, um, you know, when you, when you have an experience like this and then you just go back to normal life, what is normal life like after doing something like this? Because like with anything, like, you know, people get married and you, and you know, from being married yourself, it's like that whole, like 
time leading up to the wedding is like wedding, 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 wedding. You have the wedding and then, then it's over and you're like not the star anymore. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's also yeah. not your identity anymore, I guess is what I'm saying. It's not your, it's like, okay, you did it. Now we all like, now I go back and I work at the McDonald's or whatever the fuck I do. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, it did. Everything went back. It's not like you think about your kidneys that often, you know, unless they're in, unless you're in pain or there's something wrong. I never thought about them because thank goodness they, they both were healthy and, um, I never had any problems with them. So afterward, um, I, I actually was more aware of that area because I think I, you know, the, my remaining kidney has expanded and it's gotten a little bigger to take on more of the task. Um, so just having that body awareness is really about the only thing I was able to do everything. I went back to yoga. As soon as I got back to New York, it was a little bit slower for, for, I don't know, two or three weeks, but I jumped back into all the things I was doing. And it, in terms of that, like the buildup, um, I think because like with a wedding, you're excited, it's going to be great. It's a big party. It's joyful. And, and the buildup to the kidney was, it was actually, now that I think about it, it was kind of the staving off the negative or the fear a little bit. So now once that was gone, I, I was just like, okay, it's all good. I'm all good. He's doing well. And, and that's all that really mattered. What would you say to anybody who's in your position or ever would be in your position? What, what would you say to them? What advice would you give them? I guess I would say that if it feels right to you, do it. You will be okay. And you will give that person really a new leash, leash on life. You know, it's a, it's, it is truly a gift. And if you are healthy enough and if it's, you know, in your wheelhouse that you can accept doing this and, and, and know that you're going to be okay afterwards, do it, do it. I always think, you know, whenever I hear anything about somebody who's donated a kidney, my, you know, my ears perk up and you hear about these people who do it to perfect strangers. And I have such admiration for people like that. Amazing people. But it's, it's something to really think about. If you're healthy, you should do it. We wrap up this show with three questions and you know all the answers. We're going to start with the easiest one. Where can people find you online and get to know you better? Well, they can find me at KathleenOGradyActor.com. And two more questions. They can relate back to what we talked about or it can be anything you want. Who inspires you? You know, lately the people who've inspired me, especially in our exact cultural moment are people who stand up to their convictions. They stand up to their convictions and they do the right thing. And finally, tell me something good. I'm going to get a dog. And I know the story behind this, and this is a whole other podcast, but really quickly, 
Elaborate on that. Okay. I lost a very dear friend who has the most adorable and loving, absolutely gigantic, big old black dog that you'll ever meet. And she, before she passed, asked if I would take him. And I said, yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to be held ransom by ransom the dog. You're so good. (laughs) You're so good. Oh, please. Thank you, Kathleen, for sharing your good and more importantly, for just being my friend, my good friend. Um, You can become an organ donor yourself. Yes, you can. Visit organdonor.gov for more information and to register. Who knows? You might even save someone else's life. Next time on World Gone Good. If this does help just one person, one one young person to say, you know what, I'm not going to listen to um, the hatred spewed at me. I'm going to be, you know, seeing my beauty and my light. Then it's all worth it. Ready for a good story in the form of a graphic novel that's been set to original music? Or is it original music set to a graphic novel? Hmm, let's find out together when my friend, singer, songwriter, composer, Mae Edwards joins me to talk the good, good, good talk of her incredible artistic endeavor, IMLA. I hope you will join me because it's going to be musically delicious. Until then... Be good.